you guys watch uh, like a Christmas movies this time of the year? I've been seeing this uh, socks. You seen these? Something like "Don't bother me now." I'm watching Hallmark movies. If, or if you see, isn't it like something like that? If you can see this, you're too close. Leave me alone. I'm watching Hallmark movies. It's a very they're very rude socks. If you. I, but this time of the year, it's like that, how everything ramps up. We were talking about that before, how we binge watch stuff. All this stuff's coming up 24-7. You can watch stuff. One of my favorite movies, do you know this movie, Prince's Bride? It's like 30, it's 30 plus years old. Any young people uh, that you're 30 or under, you know, I don't know, maybe you have no clue. Prince's Bride? Yeah, well, good for you, okay? <laughs> I just had a birthday. Thank you, Snyder. Uh, but if you haven't seen The Prince is Right, it, it is. The characters in the movie are awesome, man. They're just fantastic. And uh, I like them. And uh, just the, the whole thing, it, basically the story is this. Uh, grandfather, which is Peter Falk, if you remember him, uh, reads book to his grandson, who is Fred Savage from The Wonder Years, but before all that. So he's like sick or something like that. And he's reading him this book that's this fantasy land story. And he, it starts off where he's reading the book to him. And and, uh, and I hate this, though, too, because some of you are like, I haven't seen the movie, man. Don't ruin it for me. Too bad. Okay, you came this morning. Okay? If you haven't watched it in 30 years, that's your fault, not mine. Okay? <laughs> in this fantasy kingdom, evil prince Humperdinck decides to marry farm girl Buttercup. Now, this is, there's, we're leaving a lot out. There's, right? She is mourning the loss of her true love, Wesley. So there's a whole story behind that. It's awesome. Uh, who is you know, had his untimely demise. But when Wesley shows back up, so sorry, he reappears again, all right? And uh, he's going to now save his true love. And there's some stuff about true love in there. It's awesome. It's just, the whole movie is just really good. And if you watch it and don't like it, just keep it to yourself, okay? <laughs> I don't want to get an email. <laughs> so he, Wesley's going to save his true love from uh, the evil prince and Oh, Count Rugen, all these guys. But there is this one part, and there's tons of, uh, of like, quotes in the movie that are very famous. So this is just one of them. This is from Vizzini. Uh, and he prides himself in not being outwitted. So he will, throughout the movie, um, be outwitted. And as he is being outwitted, he'll yell this word out every time. You know what it is? Ah, so you know, inconceivable with a little exclamation point, right? He's this Sicilian mastermind, and it is awesome. And he'll yell out, yes, when he's seeing that, inconceivable. And then later on, one of the guys goes, I think you're using the word wrong. And there's a whole great thing with that, but there's many more. I'm sure if I asked for some quotes, you'd, you'd have some as well. Watch the movie. It's fun. It's not a Christmas movie, but it's a great time of the year to watch it. Uh, and if you don't like movies, don't watch it and just, all right. So uh, so one of the things we want to talk about over the next few weeks is that very idea that something this Christmas season has happened um, in the lives of three people. Well, really, you could say in the lives of two people, then us as humanity coming from one I, person, but God. And that is something that's very inconceivable. So today, we'll talk about Joseph, Right? And when you look at the life of Joseph, you may say, inconceivable. I can't believe this has happened. Next week, we'll look at Mary. Like, we're just going through the Christmas story from Matthew 1. We'll come to that in a little bit. So each week, same story, just going over it from different angles. You're going to see something in the story that's, you're going to go, inconceivable. I can't believe this, right? And uh, we'll look at Mary, and then we're going to wrap up Christmas Eve with Jesus. And we're going to talk about that inconceivable work. This idea, inconceivable, it, it means things like this, unbelievable, incredible, unthinkable, impossible, hard to swallow. So even for some of us, we read the Christmas story, and let's be honest, for many of you, it may be hard to swallow. What? A virgin giving birth and all, what? This is hard to swallow. It is a joke. It's a fantasy. It's whatever. But I'm telling you, based upon what I believe, we read, and I think even sometimes logic comes into play, it's inconceivable, but it's real and true. 
But it's not just an act, it's what is offered from that act that changes our lives. It's incomprehensible. It's preposterous to some. Extremely unlikely. And I wonder if you're experiencing anything like that in your life. So one of the things that we'll do today, next week, and really with Jesus, is there something in your life that's impossible? Somewhere that is broken. Something that seems unlikely will ever change. Do you need something like God himself to come into your life in an inconceivable way and, uh, and change it? God to come in to those places. We're going to ask him to come in to the impossible, right, in an un- inconceivable way. To change but not just something, because some of you, it may be a physical thing. I need this. And maybe that's something we can pray about. Maybe something you can consider to think about what is it that you really need. But I wonder if it's the deeper thing. Like I was just talking to someone before the service. And what was needed probably isn't just, I mean, the practical needs to change, the outward. But really what was, what was being, like coming up out of somebody is really the depth of a heart and the brokenness inside. And here's what's interesting for all of us. We've talked about this before. We'll talk about it all the time. What's happening is this time of the year brings this up even more. Some of us, we love Christmas. Or we love aspects of Christmas. Or we love a dream that we have of what Christmas could be like. Should be like. So some of you will have great things. You'll post on Instagram. You'll fade it. You'll, you'll sweep, swipe places and make it all look awesome and beautiful. And some of us will look at those pictures and long for what you have. But the reality is a lot of that can even be fake and phony, right? We need something deeper to come up and to happen. And we long for that. We desire that. And so this year brings that up because we don't have what we desire what we long for. And so we need Jesus to come in in a way that's inconceivable. Listen, you can't outwit God. We sure try though, don't we? (laughs) So I wanna look at that over the next few weeks. Mark's gonna help us. We're gonna look at that at Christmas in some form. There's much more that will come up. But I wonder, what do you do when your life doesn't go as planned? It's a question I want you to ponder for just a moment. What do you do when your life doesn't go as planned? So the life of Joseph we're going to look at today, his life doesn't go as planned. He laid it out. He had it planned, this young man. He had his whole, his whole future mapped out. Everything was lining up, and suddenly it falls completely apart. What do you do when life doesn't go as you planned it? I mean, this will come up even more this time of the year as well, especially on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. You planned this perfectly. That meal was, you know, just nailed. You're, you're doing this. You've looked on Pinterest for 15 days in preparation for this and done everything that it said. You copied the best things possible. You are making it perfect, and then something completely falls apart. When I was at, this is me getting off a little bit here, but when I was at Thanksgiving, Heidi and I flew to St. Louis to be with friends that are like family to us. And we went to St. Louis, and I was part of the turkey committee. It was me and me. All right? Shocker. Okay, no feedback. We don't need comments from people. Okay? We don't create a culture of naughtiness. (laughs) All right, Lisa. All right, I heard that. I know your voice. Okay, so it's so so bad to say about me. I I mean, I I covered, this is, some of you are going to think this is horrible. I was instructed by the boss to cover the turkey with mayonnaise. It was a thing. It was a thing. It worked, man, too. I made the gravy. It was awesome. But anyways, that's another thing. All right? So have you guys ever seen the movie where the turkey, it's, a, it's Christmas vacation? I <laughs> think, yeah. The turkey, like, right? So I cooked the turkey. It looked beautiful. And then we went, we pulled it out. We set it on the plate. And my friend, Chris, was the carver. So he starts carving it. He says, Ron, come over here. We got, we got some, like, 
really messed up turkey. Because there was no, there was no, like, there was no uh, breasts. And I, I like the, the turkey breasts. I like the white meat on there. And I'm like, what? Like, I'm looking at it like, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I said, I don't understand. We'd flipped the turkey, you know, and done this whole process. And I said, so that's, that's the side. And we're cutting into this the whole time. And uh, it was not going as planned because it was going to be perfect. And so after like literally 15 minutes of two dudes looking at this bird, you know, and trying to figure this out, I just flipped it back over and went, oh, there's the, there, there they are, the turkey breast right there. <laughs> Nothing was going as planned. Have you had that happen before? That will happen this Christmas time for you. Okay. What do you do when life doesn't go as planned for you? Like, here's some of the things that we can think about when your life doesn't turn out as you dreamed. Um, and then maybe even God's plan is different than your plan and you discover it. Like, it's not just some, this isn't always based upon your mistakes or sin. Because sometimes God has a different plan. And we've probably, many of us, experienced that. When I'm te- what I'm tempted to do, so a lot of this is myself, maybe you can resonate, is I am often devising then a plan of escape. So something doesn't work, I've got a secondary backup. You got backup? Like in the freezer, you got something you can heat up, some spaghetti real quick if the turkey doesn't turn out or whatever. I don't know what you do. But you plan some form of escape or backup plan if it doesn't work out. One of the things I'll do when things don't go as planned is I'll try to figure out how to fix it for myself. So I don't allow God in. I don't, I don't ask for help, but I'll try to fix it myself. There's a lot behind that as well. Um, I often want to run. I, in turn, then feel alone. So a lot of times when things don't go as planned, instead of running, like if it's to God, to God, we say this phrase so often here, instead of running to God, we run away from God. When reality is we should run towards God, even in that pain and struggle when things aren't working out, but we often find ourselves running away. Now, when we run away, we're alone because we run from God and from one another. So it'd be something even right now that I would tell you if you're in the room, one, thank you that you came today. Not because we want a bunch of people here. Yes, that's always nice. Not because, you know, it looks good in numbers. We believe in life change for people that comes from God, but also through community. So one of the things this year that I would encourage you to be careful of is not when things don't go as planned or in life at all. Don't run away from God and from others. Because one of the greatest things that we are tempted to do is run from people. I don't want to be around anybody. I want to encourage you. You've got to be sensitive to that, especially if you suffered loss or brokenness. But listen, fight it. Be part of community. It's where God uses us. I know it's crazy because look at us. But God uses community for healing and hope. God uses community for healing and hope. God uses community for healing and hope. God is the great and the great hope giver, but God uses community for healing and hope. It's why we believe in small groups. You pull yourself out of that, it's really tough to receive anything at all except hear your own voice in your head, and sometimes we're just a bunch of liars in there, aren't we? Because then we start saying, nobody likes me, everybody hates me, you know, whatever some phrase there is with that, right? What... Wow, I run, I hide, I have an expectation, Um, I realize that things um, should have been easy, so when they don't go as planned, uh, it can be difficult, this causes stress, worry, constraining, overwhelming influence, that affects us physically, emotionally, spiritually. Some of you are most broken during this season. Shouldn't be that way, but it is. Because of family, because of relationships that are broken, because of a reminder of what was, but what is not anymore. And what happens physically, emotionally, spiritually, we become even more broken when things don't go as planned. Steals joy, truth, health, sleep. Steals opportunity, 
perspective, relationships, future, dreams. And you know what this time of the year it does in us? It steals Jesus like a Grinch, <laughs> right? The Grinches of Christmas. But during the holidays, it's funny, when we celebrate Christ the most, we also forget him the most and probably celebrate him sometimes the least. But I love this, so that's, that's the bad. The good is that even in that, listen, even in that, God enters in with something inconceivable. For some of us, it'll be a new plan and a new dream. God birth, maybe even you can think jumping ahead of Mary, God may birth in you something this year, something new into what seems to be dead. God shows up when I most want to give up. I truly believe that about him. I really do. This comes from experience of things not going as planned. Yesterday, I might share something with this again, but yesterday, then we'll go to the story of Joseph and just apply a few big, general, broad things, but I want you to look at the story a little deeper for those broad things that we repeat over and over again for something deeper in it. But yesterday, I did a memorial service <clears throat> for a friend of mine that was 54 that just died this past month. I told his mom, who is like a mom to me, I don't know if you picked the right guy. I, it's an honor to do it. But just, like, just what I expected, I probably, I broke down in the prayer. I had to pause, this awkward pause for everybody sitting out there and just, you know, because I just am destroyed in some ways. I went to high school with him. We grew up together. And uh, 54 is not a time when you should be passing. For that matter, some of you experience someone younger and older. I don't want any time to be the time to be passing. Some of you are looking, this is rough for you this year. You lost this year. I know some of you in here. You lost the one you love. Some of you, some of you, and you're wondering if this person that you love will be with you next Christmas. Things do not go as planned. What do we do with that? We need God to come in in some inconceivable way. So yesterday I see that. I see how God does that, even out of brokenness. So I was able to share, and it was really interesting. A community of us got together. We haven't seen each other in 30 years. We we're all friends in high school. I'm 55 now. So we were all friends, and we, we were there together, and it was awesome to see them. But we were reminded in it, it was so great to hear from some people, myself included, our youth pastor, pastor, all these things, to hear how God took what seemed impossible and brought beauty out of it. My standing here today is proof of these truths. You don't know me, probably some of you, and my story, but my story is proof, like many of yours, that God comes into life in an inconceivable way when life did not go as planned. And it was awesome to share that yesterday. It hurt, and it was, it was sad, but God was honored. And part of that is because we were reminded that God is a God that enters in to every bit of our brokenness and restores dreams, renews life, transforms families, relationships, so much more. All right. Uh, Matthew 1, 18 to 25. This is the story we will look at for three weeks, okay? Different angles, same story. So if you look at that now and go, okay, got it down, I don't need to come back till the new year, stop that thinking right now. Come back next week, then 10 or 4, Christmas Eve, and then come back the week after that, we'll start all over again, okay? We're going through the book of Matthew, coming the new year. Uh, so we really start it today. Matthew 1, 18 through 25 is the story of Joseph. We're going to hear Joseph and Mary in there, and then this whole beautiful picture of Jesus. Joseph was probably, just a little heads up before we read it, um, but Joseph was probably 18 to 20, young guy, and Mary was probably between 12 and, and uh, 16 or so. I know it's crazy to think, 12-year-old getting married, you know, or 16, or even 55 for that matter, huh? <laughs> But 
This is what God does, works in the culture of that time. It's the beauty of God as well. So these are young people. I, I think of this story with Joseph, and you even think, because if, if you study kind of Jewish perspective, he probably at this time, because this is something that was promised, and this betrothal period, this whole thing, this engagement period, is very important. In fact, some will even talk about how it's uh, greater, of more importance than marriage itself, like the holiness of it. Um, but the process to marriage, there was still a lot of separation, you know, and, and it wasn't like today <laughs> by any means. Um, and so I think of this story in light of the fact that Joseph probably didn't even know Mary very well, which makes the story even more powerful to me. It makes the decision that Joseph will make in the story of more significant, it's just more beauty, more amazement, more inconceivable that he would even do this. And so Joseph is younger. Think as we read the story, put yourself today in the shoes of Joseph. What would he have felt? What was he going through when he heard these things? What or how would you have responded in all of this? So Matthew 1, 18 through 25, let's read the story together. Circle, highlight, underline. If you'd like, if you have a Bible like that with you, we always have Bibles too. If you want one, you can have it. It's free. Start Good starter Bibles. Um, you got it on your phone, whatever, iPad, you brought your computer, all right? Whatever you do, if you got it memorized, this is awesome, all right? This is from the New Living. Uh, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, so here we are in this engagement period, uh, while she was still a virgin, that's key, right? She became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Inconceivable. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man. So we know this young man was strong. He had integrity. The Bible says he was righteous. And he did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. That shows some of his honor. He had every right to do that. In fact, keep this in mind. According to Jewish law at the time, it's very possible that Joseph could have placed Mary in a position where she could have been killed. Jesus engages with a woman seen as a prostitute, and one of the punishments for this is death by stoning. We don't have to judge whether it's right or wrong today. I don't believe it's right for today, but that we treat people sadly like that today. We should not, but it's the truth. If he wasn't righteous and had integrity, think of what he could have done. Thrown her before the religious leaders and said, I'm done with her. I'm not going to do this quietly. I don't care if she's disgraced. Kill her. He had every right to do that. But it's, the Bible tells us he didn't. And this phrase next is what I want us to focus on in just a moment. It says, as he, what's that word? considered. I want you to think about that for a minute. Hold on to that. As he considered this, this whole situation, what he wanted to do, what he felt he should do, the right thing to do, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Talk about that in a minute. Joseph, the angel says, son of David, this angel from God says, do not be afraid. You hear that phrase all the time from God into our lives. So when we make a decision to do something that goes along with God's inconceivable act, or when things don't go as planned, we run to God and we hear this so often from him. Do not be afraid. Mary will hear it. Joseph hears it. And people throughout the Bible hear it. We need to hear it today. Because if you're going to make a big decision of risk, courage, and you're going to do something that others might not seem, they, they don't see, think that it's good, a good idea, but you know it's God, Man, you're going to need to hear, do not be afraid. And you need to hear from us. It's one of the important parts of church. You come, Ron, I'm afraid. Do not fear. God is with you. Let's pray. Let me hug you. But whatever it is that you need, 
Don't run away, run too. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife. What? I love it. A couple options. But hey, write this down maybe in some form for you. God always seems to have a third option. Because we look at stuff and go, I only got two options. Which one do I choose? God's like, you're not even thinking in my realm. I got something different. The problem is, what is God's different? And especially when it's not as I planned. But I love this. Do not be afraid. Take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, inconceivable, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. Why? For he will save people from their sins. There is something bigger going on. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, this is spoken of way before Jesus, way before this event. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Beautiful. Talk about that on Christmas. And when Joseph woke up, he did, he did, he obeyed. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded, took Mary as his wife, did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. That's a big deal for a dude, right? It's okay. Awkward, I know, but it's all right. It's okay. Okay? And Joseph named him Jesus. Wow, what an amazing story. This is awesome. I love this. Joseph, young. Mary, young. Joseph, what would he have felt? Maybe you wrote down some things. Man, what would, it, what would you have done in this? Talk about life not going as planned. He doesn't throw her before the religious. He embraces God's third option. But his dreams at that moment, they're shattered. His future, from a, a one perspective, destroyed. I have no doubt, at least it says that he took time to consider before he committed, because you know what? He needed to look at something differently. I think that's so important for us. He would have wanted to give up and move on, but he did not. I love that story. Things oh, were going so well. Then it says, but Mary, can you imagine this young girl coming and saying, I'm pregnant. It's not yours. Well, whose is it? I mean, right? Uh, God did it. Doesn't work today, does it? I'm sure people have tried. What would you do? Men. What would you do? What would you do? I wonder. It says, but this happened. But I've said this before, but God. But God. So God steps in and enters into this story, enters into the impossible, enters into the unexpected, enters into this change of plans with something greater, a third option, marry her. What? Now, let me just stop here with one other thing before I give you some principles. I remember talking about this years ago when I talked about Joseph. Maybe one of the reasons, and this fit for me. I didn't realize it then. I realize it more now. I really resonate with this. Maybe one of the reasons why God speak to Joseph in a dream, because he could only get his attention while he was sleeping. Because all the worry... I don't know if you resonate with this, but think it through a little bit. Because all the worry, anxiety, confusion, stress, I know, I relate to this, can't slow down, can't get focus, whole different perspective based upon that experience that you're having. Too many other voices with opinions and ideas of what your life should be like they're just screaming at him. Could you imagine Joseph's buddies? If I was like 18 and I go, my girlfriend's pregnant. And some of you might have experienced this actually, right? My girlfriend's pregnant. 
But there's this next part. It's not mine. Well, who's what dude? Let's go beat him up. It's not some other dudes either. It's God's. And they would have told me to run. Get out. That girl's nuts, man. She's crazy, right? The only way it seems for me when I think about this that, that God could get the attention of Joseph was to put him, put him to sleep and give him a new dream. One of the things that I think we all need to learn, especially this time of the year, is to practice silence and solitude. One of the hardest things for me to do, because my mind's going 50 miles an hour. I want to move on to the next adventure. You know, I always want to be going. Squirrels are everywhere, every day. You guys know that. that I've shared that before, right? And sometimes God, and I'm telling you, this is where things, when they don't go as planned, can come in. I look at some of the areas of my life where God, I want to blame it on someone else. And the reality is it was probably God in his creative beauty of mercy and grace stepped in and said, Ron, I'm gonna shake you up because you need a new perspective. And I need to give you a new dream, but you're not listening. And I like this about Joseph. It makes me think about that. I don't know if that resonates with you. But God wanted him to think clearly, hear God's voice, or love according to God's purposes and plans. So God enters into the unthinkable with the inconceivable and says to him, don't be afraid, do not abandon, I'm working, join me in what I'm doing. Do not be surprised if God speaks to you in unexpected ways, people. Maybe it's the only time that we will listen. Where is God trying to get your attention? What do you do or what do we do now when life doesn't go as planned? I asked you that question earlier. Now it's more of a statement to say, number one, do this. This is what I want. It's probably the biggest thing, okay? Take time to consider before you commit. That little phrase in that scripture is very important to me, something that I really need to focus on this time of the year. Take time to consider before you commit. Take time to consider before you commit. I would encourage you this time of the year, before you commit to anything, take time with God to consider what he has for you. Through his word, that's why it's important for us to read it, look at it. However, you, this is important to us. If we believe this is true, for those of you who don't believe this is true, I realize that this is not a total fit for you. One of the things we do, though, is we grab God's word. One of the first questions we should ask is, what's God saying about that? Right? What have his stories told me? That's why we looked at the story of God over those 10, 11, 13 weeks, whatever we did, and we will keep looking at it, and we will repeat stuff over and over again, and there will be times when you might say, man, we are just not going real deep here. I'm not getting fed. And I'd go, did you get the first principle down? Because I didn't. You know, and we go back to his word again. We want to learn and grow, but it's not just about knowledge. It's about life change. God wants us to know his word. What's his word saying about it? When you make a big decision, some of you have big decisions to make. What's God's word say? Two, in that, when we take time to consider, we need to do it in the context of community. What are some of the godly people around me that are in God's word as, as well that can speak louder than the voices in my head and all those people that don't get it around me? Maybe I include community to say, hey, can I throw something out? Will you guys join me in prayer about this? And then can I get some feedback from you on maybe a decision that needs to be made or a direction to go? Now, whether you listen to them or not is your choice. Whether they're right or not, I don't know. Doesn't mean that always works out. But at least you can ask and consider within the context of community. And we do it, of course, in accordance with God's word. Very important that we do that. And then we listen to what God is saying. Sometimes we need help with that. Take time to consider this careful, observant opportunity to discern, to understand, to know, to give heed, to reach a suitable conclusion, to make a decision. And I love this. In the story, 
Joseph, before he made his next move, based upon what God said, he took time. I have no doubt, knowing Jewish tradition, Joseph was Jewish, that he took time to go out somewhere in the countryside and ask God to repeat what he was saying. God, in his grace and mercy, came to him in a dream. God quieted him down. Some of us need that kind of time, especially this time of year. Consider his vision. Consider his plans, despite what it looks like or what people will say and what doesn't fit my expectations. Psalm 8, the whole thing is awesome, but here's verse 3 and 4. The Bible says, David writes, so here it is, when I consider your heavens, so some of you reflect sometimes, you just go out in the woods. I've seen many pictures this year of you going up in the snow, getting a tree, and then you're like God's beauty, unfiltered, awesome, you know, and you do your thing, okay? It's awesome. You look over and sunsets and the beauty of where we live. We live in a, we've said this before, in a great place, don't we? It's a beautiful area when it's not burning or something like that, you know, but it's awesome. When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, man, when you look around at some of you, you are the work of God's fingers. And I think you are the most beautiful group in the whole valley. I get to look at, look out at you at every week. And night. <laughs> Just making sure you're still on track in the next 10, 15 minutes. Right? What if we did that? Even consider it like when we were faced with someone, we take a moment to consider that person we're engaging with and go. The work of your fingers. Jordan, I can't, I can't make fun of her, really, but she's pregnant. If you, did you notice that up here? Okay. And uh, they're going to Hawaii for a couple weeks. And uh, I read the story and think of that with her. She's going to have a child, and we're going to get to experience that, along with a lot of you that are, have had or going to have kids. But what a beautiful thing, right? I am on the board it's, it's uh, now you'll know, but I'm on the board for a group in town, every child, that we want to see all the foster kids in a home, 500 plus. So I'm on the board to help tell the leaders what to do. And uh, even that, those kids are the work of God's fingers. They need a home. When I consider that, it causes us to be motivated to action, right? Sometimes action apart from what I personally want to engage in or doesn't meet my expectations or changes my plans. When I consider the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, these things you've set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them, and it's more of a inconceivable. When we look at this, isn't it? God, it is inconceivable that you would care for us. Wow, it's so amazing. Jesus talks about this in Luke uh, 12. He'll say, like, here's a new, new perspective, disciples. Don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you'll wear. Life is more than food, the body more than clothes. And he'll say, consider the ravens, consider the lilies. Look at their splendor. Isn't Solomon and his splendor? Man, they're dressed better than him. If this is how God clothes the grass of the field, how much more will he clothe you? Don't set your heart on what you will eat or drink or worry about it, but seek the kingdom, new perspective. But that comes from taking time to consider God and his work. And then here's some things to consider. These are the big, broad statements. You've heard this so many times. I'm repeating, like I'm repeating the same principles over and over again. But there's so much, de so much depth behind it. What do we consider? You probably already wrote in the blanks. Consider who God is. Well, right in this story, if you just take this story and apply these things to this story, 
man, it may open up some new things. When the Bible says who God is, Emmanuel, he is God with us. Listen, he's not God in distance. We don't beg him to be present with us today. The Bible tells us that God, through Jesus, came, and Jesus is God with who? Us. God is with you today. That's scary for me because I'm also naughty sometimes, all right? You can ask my wife, my, my other family members, my friends, and a lot of you, okay? God is with us. We learn that in the story of God. This Advent season reminds us who God is. For families, we gave you an Advent calendar. You can still jump on board with activities to be reminded of who God is, what this season is all about, all right? We do Jingle Jam. We want to tell people who God is. We have Christmas Eve services, right? We want this Advent season to be an expectation of God coming, come Emmanuel, God with us, and a declaration of who he is. So I consider this. I believe that Joseph considered who God was in his story, and that caused a change of direction for him. Two, we consider what God has done. So it's who God is, what he's done in the past, his promises. In our scripture story today, I read this was fulfilled because of what the prophet said. I consider what God has done, his promises to me. One of the greatest things you could do, if you don't want to try to read the Bible in a year, get a little, my mom used to have one of those little bread boxes, and you'd pull out a promise of God and memorize it or read it. Anybody know that kind of thing? There's devotionals today. If you just stuck with that, you know what? In 2019, every day I'm going to read a promise of God. Wow, life-changing. It'll keep perspective, right? When you even look... Joseph would have heard this so many times, and in Matthew, right before the story, we have it recorded. It's just a list of names. It's a great way for some of you to catch up in your Bible reading. When you come to a list of names, you just go, nah, yeah, okay, and then just go to the end. But that is so important for them. Every name has a meaning. Every name has a story. And when you read through that names, we were reminded of what God has done. Yesterday, I went to, uh, I did this memorial service. We reflected, we honored God through a man's life, but we reflected on what this man had done. I sat and stood with his kids that day and spoke into their life as I said, I, I am your, a father figure to you, you know. I am available to you. What, what my friend had done, I want to do for you. I'm reminding them of what was done and how it's, Though a change of plans, it's not over. God, enter in, you know, and we, we walk through that with them. And then he says this, it's so powerful, what God has done. There's a part of it in all of it where he says, Joseph, son of David. He gives power to his name. God speaks and says, Joseph, but not just Joseph. You are son of David. There's history here promises there. So we consider who God is, what God has done, what God is doing, what he is presently doing right now. Not what you perceive or what others just say, but what he is doing. We consider then what God will do. So we look at who he is, past, present, and then we think of the future, what you will do. We talked about that last week, what God will do. What God will do comes from what he's done and doing and who he is. I wonder even today when we consider that, is God, to look at that little question and principle, what God is going to do, is he birthing something new in you? Is there a change of plans where he wants to enter in with an inconceivable way or idea and he's birthing something new that you need to take a step towards, make a decision for? So we take time to consider who God is, what God has done, what God's doing, what God will do. And then the last thing is this. This big idea of you'll only experience if you do it God's way. There it is. Others have said this. This is not a new statement. I didn't come up with it. This is biblical. 
It's obedience. You could write down the word obey. Joseph was unwilling to compromise, so he obeyed. This is where I go back to that end. One of the last things that it says is he did not have sexual relations with uh, Mary. He was not willing to compromise because of what dream God had given him. Though it was impossible and unexpected, I love the integrity of this man that says, I'm not willing to compromise for the sake of my reputation what God will do. There is something bigger going on here. That should drive us. Man, if we could teach our young people that, wouldn't that be amazing? Man, speak into your sons and daughters. Remind them of who God is, what he's done, what he's doing, what he will do. And help them understand, do you want God's best? Do it God's way. It's worth it. It is worth it. But even in that, love them through their mistakes, through their brokenness. Joseph chose to do it God's way over the stress the, the shame, the shattered dreams. And again, that last verse, and then naming Jesus and staying. Oh. His decision to stay, this would hit home for maybe some of us, was a decision to forgive, to sacrifice. And that, that declares it's worth it all. You're worth it all. I think that reflects on the life of Jesus, too. What he did, what he's doing, what he will do. Worship team can come. I want to give you one more thought with that. But listen, today, a decision to obey it is, is a decision for God to come. A decision to obey is a decision for God to come. Right? So here's, here's the deal. As we go into uh, communion and a song again, O Come Emmanuel, just a declaration of God come. But you're making a decision today to, for God to come into the situation that you are in. So here's one thought. For those of you that do not follow Jesus, okay, you have not made a decision to give your life to Christ to follow a different path despite what everybody else is doing, despite what it looks like, despite, man, things have not go, gone as planned. My life is ruined because of sin, all right? A decision for, for God to God is a decision for him to come into that. Now, what God says is you're worth it. You're worth it. So if you do not follow Jesus and you... Even part of you right now wants to, just even your own way. I'm not leading you in a prayer. I, you can check a box on our communication card so I'll know and can be praying with you and help you. But what I can ask you to do is simply today just go, God, come in to my life. For I am making the decision to follow you. It's that simple. But that's only, that's only the beginning. But then some of you might be here today and you follow Christ, but you are dealing with something right now that has not gone as planned. Unexpected, impossible, unbelievable, brokenness, hurt. I don't know what it is. Maybe someone in here today, maybe. God did not tell me this, okay? But maybe someone here today is, you're making a decision to leave your family your spouse, or some other decision. And God is speaking to you, stay. Stay. I don't know whether you should or not. There may be other circumstances that need to be discussed and talked about, but maybe somebody today is sitting here and going, oh my gosh, the Holy Spirit is speaking to me. I was, I was gonna abandon this, abandon them. And you're here today for this reason because God says, I want to enter into that. But God, you don't know how broken it is. You don't know how messed up it is. You don't know what I've done. And I will tell you, he does know what you did. He does know what you've done. And he still wants to enter into that place right there. 
For he is a God that comes into the unexpected and impossible with the inconceivable of love and grace. A decision to stay is an invitation for God to come. So I don't know what it is. Maybe it's some other area of brokenness. Some decision you're trying to make for jobs or life or whatever. But may we today invite him in. Would you stand with me? We're going to take communion together. And we're going to have a declaration of who God is, what he's done for us, what he's still doing in us through communion. We're going to thank Jesus through this little cup of juice and piece of bread. Thank him for his sacrifice, for our sin. So we remember that blood that he shed by drinking that juice. The body that he gave by eating that bread. We ask him to come in and we declare that we give back to him. Whoever we are, wherever we are at. Wow, what a grand thing to do to remember him. Now, I want to, just one more thing. I promise. The last act of obedience connects us with communion too because we're reminded of it. But the last act of obedience was giving the baby a name. I like that. Power in a name. A lot behind a name. But one of the things that I love about it is that every time Joseph would look at this child, I would say every day, multiple times, with tears of joy and sadness sometimes for this little one growing up. Maybe when he had to discipline Jesus growing up, and he told him, Jesus, it's kind of weird to say, isn't it? <laughs> every time he would look at this baby Think of his son as he grew up into the man that he would be. God himself in the flesh. Every time he'd say the name Jesus, he'd be reminded that in the impossible, the unplanned and unexpected, the inconceivable happened. So today, as we take communion, Say the name of Jesus and remember that he loves you and he died for you and he's with us. And Father, we think that today, we know that today, we remember that today and say thank you, Jesus. Jesus, what a wonderful name it is. It means so much. For these folks here, God, in their impossible, unplanned, unexpected come in with the inconceivable and do your great work. Help them with these big decisions to stay when they want to go. To go when they want to stay. Whatever it needs to be for them, we invite you to enter in to all those places. And in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.